as we, we look at Psalm 23, it's one that, that no doubt you're, you're familiar with. It's one of those beloved passages in the Bible, maybe one of the most beloved passages in all of Scripture where either you've grown up in the church or not, you're familiar with it at some level. If someone says, the Lord is my shepherd, um, it'll, it'll bring a memory at least that, that, oh, that's in the Bible, isn't it? Um, but it's a love passage, a passage that's sometimes read at funerals often, maybe at most funerals. It's, a, it's this passage of comfort. And I've been just thinking through, why is this psalm so beloved? What is it about this psalm that just draws our hearts in? Even, but even those who are far from the Lord, they hear it and they're, they're drawn into it. And I think one of the things is that we all walk through trials and difficulties that speaking of this valley of the shadow of death, we're like, we've walked through that. I've, I've walked through that. And it's a universal experience of trials and difficulty that we walk through in this life under the sun that's broken because of sin. So there's a connection that happens of a good shepherd coming in in the midst of difficulty. And there's comfort there. So I, that draws us in, draws all in. And I think another thing is that universally, I think the psalm speaks to people's hearts as they hear it, is because we are all made in the image of God. We all are made in the image of God, and we're made and created to have a relationship with him, to have a relationship with, with the good shepherd that is spoken of in this passage. So when people hear it, their hearts long for rest. Their hearts long for peace. Their hearts long to be comforted and protected. So, of course, they hear that, and it's a longing of the heart that the Lord has put there. So, of course, it stirs the heart. So, of course, this is a psalm that people have gravitated to, and I think it's a psalm that we see so much about our God, about Jesus Christ, who is our good shepherd, and is one who we desperately need. And in and throughout the scriptures, that idea of a shepherd, that theme is found both in the Old and the New Testament you think of King David. This is a psalm of David, of King David. And David, when he was anointed, when he was called out to be king of Israel, where was he? Well, he was out in the fields. He was watching over the sheep of his family. He was a shepherd. No doubt the Lord used David's time as a shepherd to prepare him to be a king and to shepherd the people of God. And yet he was still that under-shepherd. He was one who had a, the, a great shepherd, the Lord the shepherd king over his people. Think of Isaiah 40, verse 11, that's speaking of the Lord God, and it says, He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. So there's this theme of shepherds, and God it placed leaders over the people, his people to shepherd them, both in the Old Testament and in, in pastors who are called the shepherd. And then we think of Jesus, who in the Gospel of John, chapter 10, he said, I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life willingly for the sheep. I, I call the sheep by name, and, and they come, and they hear me, and I protect them, and I call them. And Jesus is the good shepherd. In Hebrews 13, 20, Jesus is called the great shepherd. And 1 Peter 5, 4, we studied through that a little while ago. And Jesus is called the chief shepherd. And those who are pastors, we are under shepherds of the chief shepherd. In Revelation 7, 
Verse 17 speaks of Jesus as, as the Lamb of God, who then is declared the shepherd. It's the Lamb who's the shepherd, who calls and he will guide us to springs of living water and wipe away every tear. So there's this theme throughout. And we'll kind of dive in and we see in this passage how our God is the good shepherd is described. So we begin, and first we just see in verse 1 of, of Psalm 23, it says, The Lord is my shepherd. He is my shepherd. He is our good shepherd. So the Lord, and that's in your Bible most likely, it's a capital L-O-R-D. It's referring to, translating the, the Hebrew word of name of God of Yahweh or Jehovah, the great I am, the personal name of God, and speaks of God's sovereignty as one who's without want and without need. He's lacking nothing. He's the source of all creation. He's totally sufficient. He's the God who was, who is, and and will ever be, and he defines himself. No one else defines him. He is, he is also the creator and the sustainer. And then David also refers to him as my shepherd. So there's this my, there's this personal relationship with this good shepherd, with our God. So he's not a far off God. We've talked about that. He's not far off and aloof, but he's a God who is, desires a relationship with us. And he, David refers to him as my shepherd. And then he's a shepherd, and a shepherd is that who cares for the sheep, protects, brings peace, feeds, provides, restores, and leads. And we're going to see all these different things. And yet, being a shepherd is not necessarily a glamorous job, nor was it in that time either. Because David, I think it, when he was shepherding and taking care of his family sheep, he was the youngest. So that was his job as the youngest. He was delegated out to the fields. And yet... This is the term that our God has used to describe himself and describe um, those who are called to care for his people. And depending on how or who a shepherd is, really impacts the sheep. It makes a big difference upon them. Now, as I was studying this week, um, several times I saw a reference to a book called A, shepherd, a Shepherd's Look at Psalm 23. And it's written by a gentleman named Philip Keller, who grew up in East Africa. And in the area that he lived, there were a lot of shepherds that lived near him. And in, in that area, that was shepherd their feet out in fields. Um, not in, in pens or at feedlots or that kind of thing, but out in fields. So similar to what we would have here in the ancient Near East. And he also, for eight years as a young man, he was a shepherd. So he knew a lot about Caring for Sheep, and he wrote this book. He then became a pastor, and uh, I, I went on Amazon and got the, for $2, you can get the Kindle version if you want to check it out. Um, but he, he, he talked about one thing was that there, were, there was another shepherd when he was shepherding, uh, another shepherd that had a field near him that cared for a sheep near him, but he wasn't a very good shepherd. He didn't take care of his sheep. He didn't do the things that he needed to, and the sheep were scrawny, were sick, were diseased, um, they had poor pasture lands, and they would longingly look over at his fields, the sheep would, because they weren't cared for well. But we have a good shepherd who cares for us, who desires to, to shepherd us, and he, is, he laid down his life for us, and he gave us his word, and he sent his spirit that we might be able to be even comforted through through his words 
He's a good shepherd. But if we reject that good shepherd, we run after all sorts of other things to shepherd us um, that really aren't, in the end, very good shepherds. Sometimes that might be the philosophy of the world or the comforts of this world or maybe ambitions of this world that you might run after instead of rejecting Christ and running after these other things to shepherd your heart. And and the fruit that comes from rejecting Christ is is a lot of um, rotten fruit that comes from it. Because they're not good shepherds. They don't take care of our soul. And I think of, as I've shared several times as we've been looking at the Psalms, that think back again and again of that story of, Jesus with the disciples, and he's been teaching, and he's teaching some hard things, and the crowds start to leave Jesus, and he goes to the twelve, are you going to leave as well? And Simon Peter says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Again, the same idea, what shepherd, why leave the good shepherd for something that that is far less, will only bring destruction and death and separation from our God. So he's a, my good shepherd. And then David begins to describe this relationship. He says, I shall not want. So we have the shepherd who is our providing shepherd for us. And maybe your translation says, I shall not be in want. Or I have what I need. And that's the idea that our shepherd provides us things that we need. It doesn't say the Lord gives us all that we desire. But he gives us all that we need. And often the things that we desire... And think we need aren't really the things that we fully need. I was reminded of one of the, an episode that we saw. Maybe you guys have watched, there's a show called The Incredible Dr. Pole. And he's a veterinarian. It's um, one of those reality shows where you follow him around. The veterinarian, he's up in Wisconsin. He's in his 70s. And it's a delightful show, although I've seen way too many surgeries on animals that I would want. I always have to look away. I just don't like it. Um, but there was one story where it's probably happened several times where uh, livestock will get into a bag of grain that was maybe left out by accident and they get into it and they gorge themselves in it to this point they need medical help to be relieved from gorging themselves and sometimes we can be that like that we don't always know the thing we need best and we can gorge ourselves on things that our good shepherd guides us away from and his word warns us about but we know of a good shepherd who feeds us. We are satisfied in him. Again, just like Jesus feeding those 5,000. You remember, he fed them. They were satisfied and there were leftovers. We're reminded too that we are needy. We are, we are needy sheep. We have lots of need. We are not self-sufficient, but we have a good shepherd who is self-sufficient, who lacks nothing, and he freely gives to us what we need. Philip Keller, the, the author of that book I mentioned, Keller, he just talks about how we, we just need to cry out to it sometimes. Oh, Master, this is beyond me. Uh, take over. And we need to just cry out and be reminded he's the one that helps us in our neediness. And then David continues in, in verse 2. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. So we have a good shepherd, shepherd who, who is a rest-giving shepherd. He brings Peace. He leads us to rest. He says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Now, in, in that, in Israel, it's a dry, arid land. So 
A shepherd would need to lead the sheep to good pasture or would need to even cultivate good pastures to lead the sheep to. And often we want to go one way that we think is best and the Lord brings us another way because he knows what destruction might lie one direction and he leads us another. And this is he leads us beside still watered waters or beside waters of rest. Rest, it, it, rest is just a huge theme throughout scripture. We're created for rest. As I've been reading through, uh, just in my reading time in the morning this last year, I think that's one of the things that have, have just popped up a bunch of different times is just that word rest and how we are, we are created for rest and that God provides rest for his people and even the whole idea of Sabbath. That whole idea of Sabbath is, is a rest idea that the Lord has given his people to remind him that, that he created the, the, all of creation in seven day, or six days and he rested. Uh, he also reminded them that he rescued them out of slavery in Egypt, brought them to a place of rest in the promised land and reminding us that he has rescued us from sin and brings us to rest and that there is ultimately an eternal rest with our, with our shepherd, with our King Jesus for all eternity in his kingdom, and there will be rest with him. Now, sheep also, they need help resting. Philip Keller, he mentions how, and he talks about this, that sheep, they just, they don't rest just normally. They need the help of a shepherd to be able to rest. And this is what he said. I'm going to read a little bit longer of a quote from him. The strange thing about sheep is that because of their very makeup, it is almost impossible for them to be made to lie down unless four requirements are met. Owing to their timidity, they refuse to lie down unless they are free of all fear. Because of social behavior within a flock, sheep will not lie down unless they are free from friction with others of their kind. If tormented by flies or parasites, sheep won't lie down. Only when free from these pests can they relax. Lastly, sheep will not lie down as long as they feel in need of finding food. They must be free from hunger. So it's significant that to be at rest, there must be a, a definite sense of freedom from fear, tension, aggravation, and hunger. The unique aspects of the picture is that it is only the sheepman, only the shepherd himself who can provide this release from all these anxieties. And it depends on the diligence of the owner whether or not the flock is free of disturbing influences. So just he, he, he reads this as a shepherd. And he says, yes, sheep need so much shepherding to be able to find rest. And we need our good shepherd to lead us to rest. And, and we do long for rest because rest is coming. And, and, and we know it in part in Jesus now. And we know it will come in full when we are with, when we are with him. For all eternity. Keller also says, when my eyes are on my master, they are not on those around me. And this is a place of peace. We need to keep our eyes on that good shepherd who is guiding us. So as we continue, in verse 3, he restores my soul. So we have this restoring shepherd who restores our soul. We're those who often are weary. And we need that restoration. When we were in Psalm 19, we were looking at that and it talked about how God's word is that that revives our soul. And God's word is that, that it's made for us to restore and to revive. And we talked about the God's word as being just that great for the soul, reviving of the soul. 
And we need that we become weary both physically and emotionally and spiritually. And we need restoration. Often we're like the psalmist of Psalm 42 that says, Why are you cast down? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. For I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. And we're often that where we are low and we need restoration. And sheep too, they need to be restored by shepherds. They can get what's called cast they can get cast or cast over where they flip onto their back. And Keller describes that where a sheep might be laying on the ground and they might be near a depression in the ground. And as they roll over, maybe they're a little fatter. They have a little bit more fleece on them and they'll get stuck on their back and they'll be cast. And if they stay there too long, gas will build up in their body and circulation up to their legs will be cut off and they'll die. So it's a, it's a dire thing for a, a sheep to be cast. You want The shepherd wants to be able to to flip them over, and when Keller, you say, when I, I would see a sheep missing, I would think to myself, There's pro- he's probably cast somewhere, I need to be looking for that sheep, and he also notes that it's not just the shepherds that notice when a sheep is cast, but also predators, and if there would be a buzzard flying around, he might begin counting the sheep, wondering, is there a, a sheep that's cast somewhere, and he'll run out, and he'll restore that sheep, and we, we have a good shepherd who cares for us, and he desires for us to be restored. There's a care when, when we are cast down. He does desire to, to restore us. And we need to put ourselves sometimes under the care of our good shepherd. Sometimes we kind of run from that. There's, we talk at, at the beginning of the year, every year, about our con, these conduits of grace the Lord gives us and a measure of his grace through his word and through prayer and even through gathering together. And we put ourselves under those care of, of the good shepherd. And he does Seek after us. He does go after those who are wandering. And he does desire to restore. I think of Jesus, even with Peter and the New Testament, the disciple Peter who denied Christ at the crucifixion of Christ. And Jesus, after he died and rose again, he comes to Peter and he asks Peter three times, do you love me? And each time Peter says, yes. And Jesus says, tend my sheep, feed my sheep, tend my sheep. And sometimes I think we think that our God is such that when we are cast down, when we are in a place even of wandering from him, that he just gets frustrated and he's upset and he's just mad and furious with us. But instead we have that of a good shepherd who desires to seek out and restore his sheep and to go after us. He loves us. There's anxiety and concern the shepherd would have for his flock to care for them. And this is the picture that we have even when we are wandering or wrestling with him, with the Lord. And then as we continue, we see that our shepherd, our good shepherd, leads us. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He leads us. He leads us into to paths of righteousness. He leads us to where he is desiring us to go. He teaches us truth, and it's for his glory, for his name, which he will always uphold. And it's not so much about how good we are. You might think, man, I'm a, just a horrible sheep. You know what? You're right. You probably are. That's, that's why we need Jesus. We all need this good shepherd to lead us and to guide us. And he stri- describes, Keller describes those sheep as those, they just have to be led. If they're left in one pasture, they're, they're just creatures of habit and such that they'll stay in that pasture until it's just utterly destroyed. And it, it's 
no longer good for grazing, and they'll still stay there and try to graze that land. They need to be guided, and we need to be guided. We need God's word to guide and direct us. We need our shepherd to lead and guide us, and he's given us his word and his spirit to do that. And he's given us also brothers and sisters in Christ where we walk through these struggles together. And he's given us so that we can journey together. And that's one of the great things. I'm glad that our discipleship, our smaller groups are starting up. And we'll have community groups again next Saturday, Sunday evening. You guys are all welcome to come to that. And, and as need be, we'll, we'll maybe need another community group. But those are beginning again to gather together. And we need this these common graces that the Lord uses to guide us. Because we are, like Isaiah 53 says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him, on Christ, really, the, the shepherd, or the lamb of God, the iniquity of us all. And then verse 4, it continues. We see our, our present protecting shepherd. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So here we see that the author, the psalmist, David, he talks about just this time of great trial, walking through this time of uncertainty, walking through a valley, the shadow of death, there's deep darkness, there's uncertainty of life. It could be even at the end of life. And here there's a great need for comfort, for strength, for peace, for protection, of the good shepherd. And we see these words. We said, I will not fear, but instead he's going to be comforted. There's a, a shift from fear to comfort. And at times we do walk through great valleys. Even the shepherd is leading here. He's leading his sheep through this valley. And we do walk through difficulty and we do walk through trials and suffering and refinement that the Lord uses. And we can be reminded that things haven't gone off the rail when things are not the way we thought they would go. And often we can look back and see the ways the Lord has refined and molded us. And really, we wouldn't be the same person we were without walking through those valleys and our shepherd guiding us. And we're reminded of those things. And we're reminded, too, that our hope in the valley, our hope in the valley and those difficult circumstances, our hope isn't so much that those circumstances will just totally be removed, but our hope is that our good shepherd will sustain us as we walk through those valleys that we will walk through, that he will guide and protect us. Because I will not fear. And, and I, I've mentioned before that throughout Scripture, fear is a huge theme. And God is not a, unaware that we are fearful. And one of the, the most frequent commands is do not fear. We need to be reminded that our God is with us and he is beside us. And David's fear is calm because his good shepherd is there with the rod and the staff. And those were instruments that a shepherd used. And, and Kellervin says in East Africa, they still use staffs and rods to protect the sheep, to guide the sheep, to protect them from predators that would come and attack. And also to, at times, discipline wayward sheep. Um, but there is a comfort, a rest, a protection that happens from the good shepherd there. So these things are, are all happening. And then as we continue in verse 5, there's a little bit of a shift where it, it's been talking about a shepherd, and now language is used where speaking of more of a host. But there's still this overarching picture of a shepherd. We see this generous shepherd host that comes in. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. 
So the, the shepherd comes and he's a host who provides generously for his guests. So the Lord God is described as one who is generous, gracious, hospitable. And there's this great banquet that's set out and provided for him. In the presence of his enemies, his enemies are not far. They can watch on and see what's going. And it's possible that this is a description of there's been a victory over enemies and and they sit at the side. But either way, the host was obligated to provide protection for his guests from those who might try to harm them. And there's a feast going on and there's protection at the same time. So the Lord is greater than the enemies and can provide true lasting peace and safety here. This safety is speaking of is both physical and a spiritual safety depicted here. It's a picture again of sitting down and resting even though enemies are nearby. And there's great hospitality too that's here. It says that, that he has anointed my head with oil. Now in this area of the world, it's a dry, dusty land and it was customary that a, a host would provide oil for the guests. And it would be something that would be, uh, provide a scented oil that would bring refreshment to those who came. Now, I don't know if you've ever um, taken a long overseas flight. But we, when we served in China, we had, of course, we took a plane there. Thankfully, we didn't have to take a boat um, to China. But we did that a bunch of times. And if you're on a good airline, I'm not saying every airline does this, but a good airline, um, but maybe they've cut so many things that they don't do this anymore. But um, at the end, kind of in the last segment of your trip, they would come out and they would bring these cloths that were um, like washcloths that were steaming hot, kind of rolled up really fancy and nice. And they'd give you this washcloth and you'd wipe your face and just kind of refresh it up. And you're like, oh. Feel like a new person, but there's that there's a, a picture of that, just anointing, a refreshment, a providing, and a good host is providing for him. And he says, "Then my cup overflows." And I'm sure he, they were serving grape juice or Gatorade. I'm sure that's what he's speaking about. But the cup overflows um, here. There's a, an abundance given to the guests, and there's a fulfillment and enough that's found there. And it's the opposite, I think, of last week we were in Psalm 22 that spoke and prophesied of the death of Jesus Christ on the cross and the resurrection. And on the cross, remember, his life was poured out. It was like a vessel poured out. He had no life left in him. But he is one who poured his life out so that he might be able to freely pour grace and mercy upon us and his righteousness upon us because he died for us and we are filled in him, so we have just this great picture of rest. I think sometimes we forget that when we have turned and we've trusted our life to Jesus Christ, that there is rest in him. We don't have to be anxious about everything like we are at times, that we can trust in him. And I know I've joked several times about um, how my, my watch will remind me to breathe. And, um, and it, it gives me this one-minute exercise that it probably alerts me probably, you know, I don't know, a couple thousand times in a year or something. And I probably pause to, to breathe in like twice in a year. And when I do, I'm like, that was really nice. I need to just still and just breathe and, and be chill for a little bit. But 
we're sometimes that with Christ. We try to just manage everything in such a way that we don't rest in him and know that he is that good shepherd and that host who provides for us and desires for us in him to find rest. Even just this week, this is a silly personal story. So um, at the church, um, in the mail, I had a little notice saying that there was a letter, that, a certified letter that we needed to pick up at the post office because I didn't, wasn't here when it came. And it said it was from Corporate Lean. And I was like, who is putting a lean against the church? And I just thought of all of these scenarios that holy and what might be happening. And it ended up there wasn't a lean against the church. It was something about the construction things and the fence company that they said, hey, this is the amount of fences and all this stuff. And it wasn't even for us, really. But sometimes we do that. We, we take all of these things upon us when we're called to trust in our good shepherd who provides this great banquet and protection for us. And he ultimately, uh, he, he, is, he is victorious, and in him we are victorious. And then finally, verse, verse 6, we have this pursuing host shepherd. He pursues us. He says, surely, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. My notes are out of order just a second. <laughs> uh, never mind. Uh, so, so here we have him saying that the goodness and the mercy of God will follow me. And this goodness of God is, is this abundant goodness. And that mercy there, that's that word we talked about when we studied through Ruth, that word hesed, that doesn't have a really great uh, English translation. And it's that steadfast love of the Lord. It's that loyal, stubborn steadfast love of our God. He's saying that the goodness and that love, that steadfast, loyal, stubborn love that doesn't have an exit plan follows me. And this word follow, it doesn't mean just follow. It's, it's that of, of actually pursuing or chasing after. So it's this, it says as he's leaving this banquet table, it's not enemies that's pursuing him, but it's the goodness and the steadfast love of the Lord, the mercy of the Lord that pursues him and chases him down, is in, in hot pursuit of him. As I thought about this week, I, th I thought of a story. I, I asked Kelly, I have permission to share the story, but a little bit before we, we started dating, we had a mutual friend who had asked her out on a date, and, and he said that he was in hot pursuit of her. Um, but then... And then um, a week later, um, he decided he wasn't so much, and <laughs> he changed his mind. But this is not how the love of our God is. He's not that that says, I'm going to pursue you, and then a week later, ah, I just kind of changed my mind on that one. And so, But sometimes that's what we think. We think, maybe the Lord's changed his mind a bit on us. Well, no, no. Did, do you remember the chapter before of Jesus Christ who poured out everything for us while we were enemies and sinners far from him. So now as we are brought in as sheep, of course he desires to pursue us and will continue to pursue us. So as we come to the end, the question is, who is your shepherd? Have you turned from your sins and trusted in Jesus Christ as the good shepherd who desires to lovingly draw you in, to forgive you of your sins and 
victory rests now and into all eternity. But this morning would be an opportunity, if he has not yet your shepherd, to turn from your sins and trust in him and, and follow him. And if you want to learn even more about what that means, um, as you came in, you received a card. And the, one of the places is to mark, hey, I want to learn more about following Christ. Or maybe you're a follower of Christ. And, and at the t- sometimes you, you just try to shepherd yourself or you look to all these different things to shepherd you. And you need to allow the good shepherd to shepherd you and step into that as we step into his graces. But even some of that is being, being part of a, a body of Christ, of brothers and sisters, as we walk through this together and as we go to his word together and we do it on our own, the Lord is just so gracious. May we turn to him and stop bearing all of those things that he has not called us to bear. But hear the words of Christ as says, come, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll find rest. Dear Father God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the, all the gifts that we have in, in Jesus Christ. We thank you for this picture of a shepherd that we so desperately need as we are created for relationship for you, with you. And we thank you that you pursue us and you won't give up that pursuit. Lord, we thank you for the way that you bring us into rest in Christ and Give us a glimpse of all eternity, the rest that we will have. Not inactivity, but, but rest in all the things that, that you have for us in all eternity in your kingdom. We thank you for that. Lord, help us this morning to, to breathe and to rest and to trust that you indeed are the good shepherd. Lord, I, I pray that um, if there are any who are just wrestling with, they, they will trust you. May they see and know that you're a good shepherd. And even today, trust in us for Christ, we pray. We pray all these things in Jesus' name.